Our second scripture passage comes from 1 Timothy. This is a book that Paul has written while he has continued on with his missionary journey. And Timothy, his, his close friend and kind of protege, has been left in Ephesus to work within this church. And so this is a letter from Paul to Timothy. So listen for a word from God from 1 Timothy 1, 3 through 7 and 12 through 14. The Apostle Paul says, I urge you, as I did when I was on my way to Macedonia, to remain in Ephesus so that you may instruct certain people not to teach any different doctrine and not to occupy themselves with myths and endless genealogies that promote speculations rather than the divine teaching that is known by faith. But the aim of such instruction is love that comes from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. Some people have deviated from these and turned to meaningless talk, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make assertions. I am grateful to Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has strengthened me because he judged me faithful and appointed me to his service. Even though I was a former blasphemer, a persecutor, a man of violence. But I received mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord God, may the words of my mouth... And the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight, for you are our, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. One of my favorite movies of all time is a Christmas movie. I'm not a big movie rewatcher, but something about this movie, I have to watch it every year. And that is the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. It's such a good movie. It was so important to me that when Allie and I were dating, I sat her down and I said, I'm going to need you to watch this movie and I need you to like it <laughs> because we're going to be watching this every year. And she said, I've never seen it. I said, what? She said, yeah, there was a terrible experience I had uh, when our church put it on as a play. And I said, well, most traumatic experiences stem from church plays. But I'm going to need you to get over that. And so she watched it, and we got married. And <laughs> what I love about this movie is that George Bailey, the main character played by Jimmy Stewart, constantly wants to leave. He constantly wants to leave the small town he's in. He wants to go away to college, but instead remains to stay and to work. When he finally gets enough money, he's going to travel all around the world. He's going to go to college. He's going to build great things. Instead, his father passes away, and he chooses to remain to keep the business over serving the community. When he gets married, he saved up money with his wife, Donna Reed, Mary, and they are going to travel for their honeymoon but just as they're about to leave, the stock market crashes and they are called to remain and use that money to care for the community. 
all throughout the movie, he wants to leave. At one point, he wants to leave his life. Instead, he remains in the community. All he wants to do is leave. Leave that crotchety demagogue that is the antagonist, Mr. Potter. Leave that insufferable uncle who consistently makes mistakes. Leave those judgmental small-town people behind. But instead, he's called to remain and build and cultivate a better community. At the beginning of our passage, Paul is urging Timothy to remain in the church in Ephesus. In fact, it's the second time Paul has verbally encouraged Timothy to remain, to stay, to continue building the church and the community right where he's at. But why might Timothy want to leave? Why might he want to leave this church he was left in charge of? Well, this is what we know about Ephesus It was, at the time, the greatest metropolis of Asia for the Mediterranean world. We know it was polycultural. It was a great think tank. It was where magic and religions melded. It's where great thinkers resided and great power resided. We know Paul visited Ephesus, and it didn't go so great for him. In Acts 9, we see they have this crazy story where Paul goes and he visits some sick people and he heals them. And when he heals them, demons leave their body. And some itinerant preachers, some itinerant exorcists see what's happening and they think, you know, this is a pretty good way to make a quick buck. We're going to use this Jesus name and charge people uh, so, that we can, so that we can cast demons out. So they go to some demons And they say, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Paul, we command you to leave. And the demons say, who are you? We know Jesus and we know Paul, but we don't know who you are. And they jump on them and they strip them naked and they run out to the streets. Again, very strange story, but we see that people are trying to take advantage of the name Jesus. Finally, we know that Paul, when he brings Christ, people turn from their pagan and household gods and turn to Jesus. And so what that means is it upsets the economic system of the day. And the silversmiths who made household gods gather together. They're losing business. And so they gather and drum up a riot and run Paul out of Ephesus. And it's here that Paul leaves Timothy. Paul leaves and leaves Timothy to start the church in Ephesus. Timothy, who is Paul's protege, his intern, his associate pastor, if you will be, is forced to stay there. You can see why he might want to leave. It sounds like a difficult place to be. Not only that, but he has these other difficulties within his community. People trying to use the name of Jesus for something Jesus is not to be meant to use for, for their own gain. Timothy feels in this place of adverse political leanings, adverse in the religious community. And yet, yet he's called to remain because there is work to be done. How often in our lives do we desire to just pick up our ball and go home? To leave these difficult people and these difficult places behind to reside where it is only safe. 
and our homogenous group of only our close friends where everyone thinks like we do, where everyone worships like we do, where everyone votes in the same way we do, where everyone is outraged by the same things that we are outraged by. But what if our call is to remain and do the work? Now, this doesn't mean there aren't times when we're called to move or to relocate. I'm merely suggesting that we don't mix up difficulty with call. That just because something is hard doesn't mean you're called to leave it behind. In fact, in our text specifically, Paul helps us hammer out what we should do if things are difficult within our community. He says we don't have to agree on everything, but there are some things we need to look to. In our disagreements, we must hold it up to the light of love. There are these teachers in Ephesus that are bringing a pretension and knowledge that are being used as gatekeepers. They're being used to keep people out, to stop people from coming in and to experience the love of God. They are using their knowledge to limit God's work in the community. And how do we work within our community when people are saying false or hurtful or being gatekeepers or being divisive? We must, as Paul says, hold it up to the aim of all religious instruction, all Christian instruction, and the aim of that is life and love in Jesus Christ. The aim of that is love, love of others and love of God, compassionate, pure, sincere love. Love of God, love that has changed our lives and has called us out into the world to change the world. So when we are frustrated within our community, within our church, with people in our lives, the question must be asked, are we frustrated because they have different opinions with us or because they're not being loving? And we also must be willing, if they're not being loving, to hold it up to Jesus Christ's love. And if we do that, it must be done with the utmost grace because I guarantee you, church, there are times in our lives when we will not be loving. And someone will have to hold us to the light of love and we will need to confess and taste God's grace and God's love and try again. Paul uses the example of himself. He was a man of violence. He was a murderer. He was a blasphemer. He was adverse to Christ. And yet, the grace of God has called him in and he is held now to the standard of love. Love of God and love of others. This is what we hold on to, church. This is the church's story. This is all of our song that we exist in the world to worship God and community, to bring about the loving kingdom of God to earth. This is the blessed assurance that we have God in participation in this mission. That even when it's difficult, even when it's frustrating, God's kingdom will come to earth wherever we love. And it's through the love of God, as Paul 
tells us the blessed assurance that love of God comes into our lives and overflows within us. And when that love overflows, it waters the whole community, helping to create a new garden, a garden that sure has its weeds, a garden that, yes, has trees that need to be pruned sometimes, but it's also a garden that produces life and fruit for the world. So church, may we go out and cultivate this garden to work in the hot Alabama sun and allow God's grace to continue to grow, loving and caring for the world so that the kingdom of God may be on earth as it is in heaven, full of justice and peace and mercy and truth and ultimately love. Thanks be to God. Amen.